Remember, Christianity is not just about believing, it is about belonging. So I encourage you to uh, continue if you can hang around, grab a, grab a coffee or a, or a soft drink out in the cafe, meet some great people, uh, because uh, you may feel like um, I don't need anything today, but we're not just here to receive, we're here to give. Encourage someone with a word of encouragement. Um, you never know what one word can do for somebody. You never know what's going on in a person's life. And one word of encouragement, one word of uh, inspiration can uh, make all the difference. We're uh, continuing a series on purpose over the next few weeks across all our locations. If you're not aware, we're one location, but we have uh, 11 locations in our church across Sydney. Uh, that's why you might have seen some people up there that you're not recognising around here. Um, so 11 locations across Sydney, so the, the Pathfinders, the real men, these conferences are for everybody across all our locations. So you actually get to meet not just our location and the people that uh, attend here, but uh, in all these other locations across Sydney. So I've titled this message, Better Together. Everyone say, Better Together. Now, it's important to remember that uh, if you're looking at the Bible, if you're reading the Bible, the, the Bible's not a textbook. The Bible is actually an autobiography. And although there's a lot of learning and a lot of principles and things that you get out of the Bible, if you treat it like a textbook, you're not going to get the full benefit of what it is. It's, a, it's an autobiography. It's, a autobiogra- it's an autobiography by God about God and about His purpose his desires, and his plans for you and for me. That's what the Bible is. And throughout it reveals a series of divine acts of love and sacrifice, culminating in the appearance, the death, the resurrection of God's own son, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> to um, His sole purpose in coming was really to, to bring our redemption, to bring our healing, to bring freedom to our lives because of decisions that were made way, way back in the early days, if you know the story of Adam and Eve, that brought a change to the way God had designed the world. <clears throat> it's not a perfect world. You may, you may have experienced or realized that this world is not perfect. People are not perfect. It's not the original design, but it is the way it is. And yet Jesus came to bring life back to the way God originally intended it. So it's really a story of recovery our recovery back to God, back to His way, back to His plan, back to His purpose and understanding what that is in relationship with Him and how to live our lives to the best uh, for not just us but for others and for God. So some people know they're in recovery. We have a number of people in our congregation who are in what you'd call official recovery for different reasons. But, you know, the truth is that every one of us is in recovery. Every one of us is in recovery. It's just more obvious for some. Uh, What the Bible says is we are all on a recovery back to God's original design, purpose, plan, and destiny for our lives. Discovering that through His Word, through relationship with Him, is what life is all about. So... Next time someone says to you, uh, what do you do? You say, I'm in recovery. <laughs> I say, what are you in recovery from? Life. <laughs> so I want to look at three principles here from the Word of God or three lessons that we learn 
that, that the Lord reveals to us through the Scriptures in regards to recovery. Number one, recovery from individualism. An important part of God's recovery plan uh, for us is the connection and the commitment to the community of God, the church. Um, over 50 times in the New Testament alone, the Bible uses these words, one another or each other. Over 50 times. A couple of examples you can see up on the screen. Mark 9.50 says this, be at peace with one another. Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Romans 14.13, stop passing judgment on one another. Romans 15.7, accept one another. Over and over and over again throughout the Scriptures, there is this terminology of one another, which gives the, uh, the understanding that life was meant to be lived in conjunction with other people. And these Scriptures are all talking about the community of God, the church, getting on with people. Um, over and over, the Scriptures, and I won't go through them all, but we're commanded to love each other, pray for one another, encourage one another, admonish one another, greet one another, serve one another, teach one another, accept one another, honour one another, bear one another's burdens, forgive one another, submit to one another, devote yourself to one another. Over and over and over again. <laughs> that is exciting. <laughs> um, and so we get this impression as you read through the Scriptures, as you look at them as a whole, that, that part of God's recovery is that we realize we're not just here for ourselves. We're not just here to get what we want, but to actually live our lives out to help other people get what they want, to build up others, to serve others, to love others. And in that relationship, we actually find the, the desires and the needs that we have fulfilled. That's the, that's the paradox in God's way, in God's scriptures. He says, to gain your life, you've actually got to lose your life. While we're spending all our time trying to get everything we want, we're actually losing what we truly want. But the Lord says through the scriptures, He says, if you actually let go of what you want and live your life to help others get what they want, guess what? In the process, God will make sure you get what you want. So everyone's a winner. Everyone's a winner. But it's not easy to do it God's way. That's why it is a, it's a life of recovery, of, of learning what God's way is and asking Him to empower us to live it His way, a recovery from individualism. You know, Jesus is saying when He's talking about loving one another, encouraging one another, build one another, all these things, He's saying, these are the distinctives of my community. These are the distinctives of my family. Now, every family has its own distinctives, don't they? And, uh, you know, as parents, whether, whether intentionally or by default, you're setting a culture within your family by certain behaviours that you allow, certain behaviours that you, that you don't allow. <coughs> um, one of the... Uh, when I was growing up, one of the distinctives of our family around the dinner table was my father would throw bread rolls at everybody. <laughs> You'd ask for a piece of bread and you'd get a bread roll in the head. <laughs> well, it's a little bit of an exaggeration, but uh, he's sitting over there and I just wanted to give him a hard time. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, certain behaviors, certain distinctives within your family, certain things that you allow, certain bodily functions that you might allow or not allow at the dinner table. 
<laughs> some that are appropriate, some that are inappropriate. But as, a, as parents, you, you set a culture, you set a distinctive for that particular family. God is saying when it comes to the church, when it comes to the community of God, there's certain distinctives, certain behaviors, certain ways of doing life that are appropriate for living your best life and pleasing the Lord in the process. And it's outlined in these scriptures, and I'm just focusing on this here today, but one of them is that we let go of our individualism and our desires just to get what we want and expand our paradigm and our perspective to go, hey, I'm going to include other people in my world and I'm going to spend my time and devote myself not just to getting what I want, but to help other people get what they want. And as we do that, guess what? We find that we are better together than we are on our own. Every family has its own way of doing things. And, and the Scriptures tell us that that we're not just individuals in a relationship with God, but it says in Romans 12, verses 4 to 6, in the message translation of the Bible, it says this, and you can read it up on the screen. In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole. In other words, just by yourself, you actually can't function or fulfill your intention or the intention that God has for you, but only in connection with the body. The body we're talking about is Christ's body, the chosen people or the church. Each of us finds our meaning and function as, as part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? In other words, Paul, uh, this is Apostle Paul who wrote the book of Romans here, is explaining to the Roman church that that we function as a body. Everybody bringing their gifts, their abilities, their skills, their talents, their uniqueness to the body, which makes up that body and fulfills the purpose of that body. But as individual parts, as just a finger or a toe, there's no point just having a finger that's not attached to your body. There's no point having a finger that you just keep in your pocket. <laughs> you go, oh, I need to use that thumb now. I'll oh, pull it out. <laughs> the only thing you use it for is to... You know, open up your phone <laughs> if you've got uh, fingerprint control. <laughs> but a finger in and of itself is useless, isn't it? Same with a toe, same with a, an arm. So God's saying, look, I've designed you in a certain way. And you know your uniqueness and you know your skills and your abilities and your talents and they're different to other people. But in and of itself, my plan and my purpose is as you bring those to the body, the body becomes what it's supposed to be. If I don't have this arm, I'm less than what I was designed to be. When we don't bring our skills, our talents, our abilities, when we withhold from God and from the community, the community is worse off and so are you and so am I. So we say, hey, I've got this or I can do this or I can do that and I'm bringing it to make the body what the body was called to be so that it can fulfill the purpose for which it's here. Thank you. <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> so whether you're reading the Old Testament or the New Testament, one sees a constant reminder or a clear message that we're not saved as individuals, simply to live as an individual. Now, yes, we do all stand before God as individuals. You, you will stand before God and give a report, if you like, of the life that you lived. And you can't blame your parents and say, oh, I did what I did because it's my parents' fault. 
or it's my kid's fault. You, every one of us will stand before God and give an account of the life that we lived as an individual. But God is saying your salvation is as an individual, but the life that you're to live is to be lived in conjunction and in interdependence within the community that I've established in the earth. And that's how you'll be fulfilled. That's how you'll find value. That's how you'll find significance. That's how you'll find purpose in your life in the context of my calling upon your life. That's the way it works. Yet so often we're, because of, because of you know, the, the culture of the world, which is this individualism, which is you know, me, myself and I, then we, we withhold or we, we, we withdraw or we're always looking to get our own advantage. And it doesn't work out for us. So number one, you're in recovery. I'm in recovery. Every one of us are in recovery. As far as God is concerned, he has sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross and rise from the dead so that we don't need to live as an individual but part of the body. Did you get that? Amen. Number two, recovery, not just recovery from individualism, but recovery from self-sufficiency. You know, the original sin, if you read back in the Bibles, if you have, or maybe you haven't, but in Genesis it talks about the original fall, you may have heard of it, the original sin, you may have heard about the apple or whatever it is, and, and the reality is it's not about the apple. What the story in the Bible there in Genesis with Adam and Eve is that they knew what God had asked them to do, which was don't eat of that fruit. Don't eat it. I've given you everything else. It all belongs to you. You can have anything you want. But this one thing here, that belongs to me. I don't want you to touch it. The story in the original Bible is that mankind did not want God telling them what to do. It's all about self-sufficiency. It's all about autonomy. I'm not going to live my life being told what to do. So although that God had said, don't do it, they said, I'm not going to be told what to do. If I want to eat the fruit, I'll eat the fruit. So Adam and Eve went over and said, I'm going to eat this fruit. I don't care what God says. I don't care about God's way. I don't care what God thinks best. I think the best thing for me to do is to eat the fruit. And so they ate the fruit. That is the lesson of the beginning of the Bible. And it's the lesson that every one of us lives over and over again. The desire for autonomy. The desire to be the captain of our own soul and the driver of our own car and to do what we want to do and not be told how to live our lives. And we all are in recovery from this. And we all destroy our lives by making decisions based on what we want and self-sufficiency and not, and, and not a dependence upon God or an interdependence with other people. And so God is saying that we are in recovery from this self-sufficiency, from a desire to, to be independent of everyone and independent of God. We hate the thought that we will give an account to somebody, that we've got to give an account of the life that we live and the decisions that we make and what we do. But the reality is God says you will give an account. You will stand before me sometime. And self-sufficiency, this desire to live in autonomy will be our undoing and has been our undoing. But God says to come back and begin to trust in God, to rely upon Him and upon His Word and about, upon His way of doing things. I don't know uh, if any of you have seen that uh, Netflix series, House of Cards, although I don't think it's so popular uh, anymore. But uh, if you know the story, 
uh, that guys were uh, pretty much uh, living their whole life to get their own advantage and do whatever they thought they needed to do, taking advantage of people or whatever. Um, and the main character was a ruthless, calculated politician. Um, but if you know the whole story, pretty much the underlying message of that series was that it never works out for you to live that kind of life, that things always come back uh, to haunt you. Um, in that story, the most important person in the world was them, and they didn't want to be controlled by anybody else. But it, it never works. We do it because we want to protect ourselves. We do it because we think that somehow we'll be better off by being self-sufficient and not being reliant upon God or upon anybody else. But it's a, it's a, fal it's a false way of living because it doesn't work out. And any, anybody that's tried it has discovered it. doesn't matter how much money you got. doesn't matter how, much, how many assets you have. doesn't matter. If, you don't, if you're living that kind of life in isolation, then you will not be happy. George Bernard Shaw, who was a famous writer, he said, independence is the blasphemy of the middle class. Independence is the blasphemy of the middle class. I think I can live my life independent of everybody else. Most poor people, most poor countries, they don't even, they don't even think about that because they need community to survive. They need community to do what they need to do. It's just something that we think is, well, without going into it, anyway, I won't go into it. Um, <laughs> it comes through Western Western Enlightenment thinking, but the Bible presents an alternative worldview. <laughs> the Bible presents an alternative worldview. The Bible begins with this premise that we are human beings created in the image of God and designed to be dependent and in relationship to God and interdependent with other people. That's God's plan. That's God's way. And that we find true value, significance and purpose when we actually live that kind of life when we're really wanting what we're really wanting comes through God's way but it takes a step of faith it takes a step of trust it takes a step of reliance which which we find uncomfortable to do but I want to encourage you here today to take that step of trust in God you may not even have ever ask Jesus Christ to come into your life you might not consider yourself a Christian or maybe you are but you're at some point you put your trust in the Lord but for whatever reason you've stepped away and you're no longer trusting him right now you're doing your own thing going your own way I want to encourage you today at the end of this message I'm going to give you an opportunity to make a decision to put your trust in God and his son Jesus Christ and live life through his power and his way and I can guarantee you it will be the best decision you ever make um, so God's wired the universe, including you and I, in such a way that everything works in conjunction to everything else. And every scientist that studies the universe says that everything works together. And it's the way it is. Everything is interdependent. Um, but you've got to trust, you've got to trust God. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5 says this in the message translation. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. See, there's a step of faith in this. Trusting in God doesn't mean that you have all the answers and you know all the steps. 
and everything is already ordered and, and ready to go, okay, I can see all that. No, it takes a step of saying, you know what, God, I don't have all the answers. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm putting my trust in you. It's a step of faith. It takes a step of faith. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go, He's the one who will keep you on track. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. That's a message for someone here today. <laughs> Maybe it's for me. Uh, <laughs> why, why is my life... My wife is laughing quite hard down the front here. <laughs> Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Run to God and away from evil. Oftentimes we're running to evil and away from God. And we wonder why things don't work out. Your body will glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. Honour God with everything you own. Give Him the first and the best. Your barns will burst. Your wine vats will brim over. See, it's counterintuitive. God's way, His kingdom. It's an upside down reflection of the way the world presents success and how to get ahead and how, how it is to work. But God says, this is the way. I created the universe. I created the world. I created you. And this is the way it works. And if you put your trust in me, and you put your trust in, the, in my way, it will work for you. Um, so number one, recovery from individualism. Number two, recovery from self-sufficiency. And the last one, recovery from self-promotion. <laughs> All of life revolves around relationships. All of life revolves around relationships, not around assets. Now, that doesn't mean assets aren't important. doesn't mean the accumulation of wealth and prosperity is not important and that God doesn't like it. That's untrue. That's unbiblical. But when we prioritize things over people, we find out that life messes itself up. The life revolves around relationships. In fact, the entire population of the world, with one minor exception, is made up of other people. Now that's deep. <laughs> so it must be that life is designed to be shared. God has designed life to be shared with other people. But some people, like some children, have a problem with sharing. You know who you are. <laughs> Our ability to build and maintain healthy relationships is the single most important factor in building our best life. And m most of the scriptures is about relationships. It's about how to get on with God and how to get on with other people. And that is most of life. If we work that out, then guess what? Life genuinely works out for the best. Um, Alfred Adler, who was a psychoanalyst, he wrote a book called What Life Should Mean to You. He wrote this. It is the individual who is not interested. This guy isn't a Christian as far as I know, just a psychoanalyst. I don't know if they're mutually exclusive, but <laughs> it is the individual who is not interested in his fellow men who has the greatest difficulty in life and provides the greatest injury to others. It is from among such individuals that all human failure spring. 
the individual who is not interested in other people. The Bible puts it this way in Philippians 2, 3 to 4, giving us, again, advice in how to live and how to get ahead. It says this in the message translation, don't push your way to the front. How often do you stand in a queue and you want to push your way to the front? Anybody? I hate queues. But the Bible says, don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. And Paul goes on to say, when you live this kind of way, God's way, guess what? God works things out for you. He takes you to the front of the queue that you would never have got to because you've done it His way. When we take things into our own hands, then God will leave it up to us. But when we say, hey God, I'm going to do it your way, I'm going to forget myself, I'm going to pray for others, I'm going to help others, I'm going to look out for others, then God says, hey, you do that and I will bless you and I'll make a way where there was no way and I'll open up the doors that weren't going to open and I'll advance you when you weren't going to be advanced. That's the way his kingdom works. I'll finish with this story. I remember when one of my first jobs was as a sales rep um, and I was selling like office equipment and stuff like that. I was in my early 20s and and we're sitting down in the office with the sales manager one day and he said, uh, we'd been given these old cars I can't even remember what kind of car it was it was an old station wagon but it wasn't a great car and um, and there were three of us sitting there and the uh, the guy said oh we've got we've only got two cars and there was three of us there we're sitting in the office we're all new and uh, I've been re- reading a lot of uh, self-help motivational manuals <laughs> which tell you to you know step out be bold. And so I put up my hand and said, well, I think I should have one of them. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) Tony Robbins has been telling me. (laughs) Good old Tony. Um, Anyway, I thought, you know, be bold, step up, step forward, take a hold of your life, take a hold of your future. Don't leave it in the hands of others. So I thought, well, I'll have one of those. He goes, okay, you can have one. Who wants the other one? Another guy goes, oh, okay, I'll have one. And all the time I'm thinking, I'm just hearing God's voice saying, what, what are you doing? What are you, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? This is counter to the way I want you to live. So I'm going, you know, <laughs> 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 I can't hear you, I can't hear you. Anyway, then... <laughs> The guy goes, okay, you guys can have the car. He goes, since we've only got two cars, and they're old, bomby cars, he goes, well, this guy here, uh, you don't have a car. So we're going to hire you a brand new car. I'm like, are you serious? Are you serious? So we'll hire you a brand new car until we get another car for a year. He drove around every time he's driving into the car park. It's a reminder to me, you idiot. <laughs> you idiot. You could have had that car if you had it just sat back. 
If you had have said, well, you guys have the cars, that's all right. I trust in God. I would have been driving that awesome car. But no. Good old Ward says, I'll have one of those cars. I'll put myself before everybody else. Guess what? I lost out. And I've never forgotten that lesson. And the Lord has always reminded me. And over and over again, it's not the last time I've made a silly mistake like that, but I learned a lesson then. And God was revealing to me, look, it may, always, it may not always look like you're getting ahead. It may not always look like I'm looking after you. But I tell you this, when you put your trust in me and you put others forward, I will look after you. I will bless you. I will move you and I will promote you and I will lift you up. And so I want to encourage you here today as we finish up. No matter where you're at, what you're at, what you've got and what you're standing is, you're in recovery. Every one of us. And when we ask Jesus Christ into our life as our Lord and Saviour, we begin to read the Bible seriously and ask Him to show us His way of living and succeeding in life. Then we find that things work out that God moves in our world. Relationships begin to work out because we're putting others first. Love. And the Bible says it's all about love. Love never fails. God is love. And love always puts the other person first. Lust takes. Love gives. So as we finish up here today, I want to encourage you as we go out today and live next week and the week after and as we go forward to remember to trust God in His ways. He will look after you. You may be here today and you've never actually put your trust in God. You've always gone your own way, made your own decisions. But I want to give you an opportunity at the end of this service. to trust God here today, to, to pray a prayer that says, God, come into my life. I want you to show me how to live, what you've got for me, why I'm here, what it's all about. The Bible says, if you ask, you will receive. So why don't we all close our eyes right now as I finish up. If you're here today, you've never, you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord. And so maybe it's the first time you've been in a church or a church like this and heard a message like this. I was 17 years of age when I heard a message like this and decided to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior and live my life for Him and His purpose as opposed to me and my purpose. And I've never regretted it, not one day of my life. That's the decision. That's what it means to be a Christian, to be a Christ follower, and to say, God, not my will, but your will be done. I'll live your way. Show me how to live. And as we let go, guess what? God takes hold. So if you're here today and you've never prayed that prayer, a prayer that asks Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, to say, come into my life, God. I want to know you.
just want you to lift up your hand right now so that I can see it. Well, every head's bowed and every eye's closed. At the end of this service, we're going to pray a prayer, but you've got to take a step. The Bible says you take the first step and God will be there to meet you. So just put up your hand so I can see it, if that's you. You've never asked Jesus Christ. You've never prayed a prayer that said, God, come into my life. I want to know you. I want to follow you. Just put it up high so I can see it. I'm going to pray with you at the end of this service. Just put it up high. We're going to pray. This is your decision. This is your response to God. Maybe you've never, or you have at some point, asked Jesus Christ into your life. You've prayed a prayer at some point, maybe in a church, maybe in a park, at a beach, where you made a commitment to God. But right now, you know you're not fulfilling that commitment. You're not close to God. You're not allowing God to make the decisions in your life. You've walked away or you've drifted away. And the reason doesn't matter. But right here, right now, you're saying to God, God, I want to come back. I want to get my life right with you again. I want to be close to you again. If that's you here today, I want you to put up your hand. I'm going to pray with you at the end of this service. Just put it up high and say, God, that's me. I'm here today. I'm drawing close to you again. Just put it up high and we're going to pray. Why don't we all stand here today? I don't know about you, but I find uh, I find this kind of message convicting because it's so different to the way we often go about our life and our living and, and, and achieving. Um, but if you felt stirred today by this message, by God's Word, I want to encourage you to make a commitment to saying, God, show me help me to live your kind of life you know this stuff's impossible on your own this is not just a bunch of principles in the bible on how to live a better life in fact the bible says you can't live it it's imp- what god asks us to do is impossible without his help without his spirit which transforms us on the inside and allows us to live the life that god calls us to live so i want to all close our eyes right now And if you felt stirred by that message, or maybe there was a conviction, or there's something that you've done recently or haven't done recently, and and God is reminding reminding you of it right now, why don't you just say, sorry. Sorry, God. I know I should have done that, or I shouldn't have done that. Forgive me here today. Guess what? He will forgive you. And help me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to live the life you've called me to live. Jesus, we thank you for your presence right now. Touch us, fill us, encourage us. Let your word live within us. Help us to live not just for ourselves, Lord. Not just as an individual. Not self-sufficient not self-promoting but putting ourselves aside lifting others up lifting you up and I thank you God that your word says that you'll meet all our needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus and everybody said Amen let's give the Lord a hand this morning let's thank Pastor Ward for that awesome message one more time so good awesome hey church have an amazing week Great to see you. Just like Pastor Ward was saying, hope you can stick around.